You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. What I do. How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great is the things that you had to overcome to accomplish them. We have about five choices in our life, and everybody has a choice as to what they want to do and how they want to do that. But if you're going to be excellent or elite, you got to do special things. You have to have special intensity. You have to have special focus. It doesn't matter what God-given ability that you have, but without the rest of it, I'm not sure you ever get excellent or elite. You have to have toughness. What does it take to break you? I don't care what circumstance you're faced with. What does it take to break your focus, to make you give in? You're tired or you don't feel like giving effort or finishing the play like you should? I'm not saying it's our goal to try to break you. It's just the way it is in football. It's going to be difficult if you're getting yourself ready to play at a high level. And just because you got beat on the last play, that can't affect the next play. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tight. Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992. Winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history. 35-2-1. Member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show. Hi, welcome in. It is the Monday edition, Jay Barker's show, and Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter. We're live, live from AVX Audio Video Excellence, presented by Top Golf of Birmingham. Get out to Top Golf today. You'll absolutely love it. Coworkers, family, and friends. We call it the bowling of this generation. That's Top Golf of Birmingham. Also driven by Sunny, uh, Sunny King Ford on the sunny side of the street. Go see Tony Russell and all the great folks there at Sunny King Ford. We are waiting, Coach Saban, to uh, get to the podium for his weekly press conference. We'll get ready for. Tennessee Volunteers. It is Tennessee week. Hard to believe it, even though the leaves are changing, especially up in North Alabama and other areas. I know it will be that way in Knoxville, as well as it is uh, happening right here in Birmingham as well. 24 to 20. Alabama gets done over Texas A&M. Again, Texas A&M now goes to 3 and 3, 1 and 2. And SEC play, Alabama is now sitting at that 6 and 0 mark, 3 and 0 in SEC play. So we're going to dive into that particular game. A lot to get into there as we await uh, Coach Saban coming up here in just momentarily and uh, addressing not only what happened against Texas A&M, 24-20, but also the upcoming matchup between Alabama-Tennessee. Also, real quick, Auburn goes down to Georgia, 42-10. to Still a lot of question marks, not any question marks, but people wanting Brian Harson fired out at Auburn. And we'll see they're now 3-3, three 1-2 and, three, and two in SEC play. Georgia also 6-0 and and 3-0 and in SEC play. But, guys, good afternoon. Hope you are doing well, and uh, another beautiful day in Birmingham, Alabama. 
What a stretch of weather we've had. It has just been incredible. I mean, this is Chamber of Commerce, as they say, uh, type of weather. It's been like two weeks. I know, I know. Like this, and I think every day. I know, it's absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, you know, I think Alabama has to feel pretty good about themselves. <laughs> the fact that they uh, escaped beating Texas A&M, an inspired Texas A&M team, and uh, beating them 24-20. And I think deservedly, Alabama fell two spots from number one to number three I in the agree. in the AP poll. And then you look at Tennessee. Is Josh Heupel the next Steve Spurrier? I mean, he Tennessee is is hitting on all cylinders, and they had an easy walk in the park stroll, forty thirteen win at LSU on Saturday. They lead the nation in total offense, 548 a game, number two in the country in scoring offense, 46.8 a game. Uh, Hendon Hooker's the number one uh, quarterback in the SEC in passing efficiency, number seven overall in the country. Matt, Tennessee is a good, good team, and now you have this matchup. It's number three versus number six. I certainly did not see this coming at the beginning of the year. I didn't see the line either. Uh, that's out seven. I actually thought, you know, odds makers know their stuff. They're not going to throw something out there that's going to lose them money. But I actually thought it might be a three, or maybe even a, a pick 'em. Um, especially coming off what Alabama did, we don't know All about guys, price. We got, got Saban's up real, now at the uh, here at we go. podium. I'm sorry to cut you out, cut you out, Matt. We'll so back to uh, that. I think it's fairly obvious that um, there's a lot of things that you know we need to work on, evaluate. Um, personnel, evaluate um, consistency and performance, evaluate, you know, priority of getting your job done um, the right way uh, so that we can have a little more consistency, you know, in our performance. Uh, we didn't take advantage of opportunities when we had them, you know, in the last game. And that's certainly something that's going to catch up with you. You know, players have to understand you got to do things to keep from losing before you can think about winning, which is, you know, turning the ball over, making mental errors, um, you know, not reading things correctly so that we can execute plays um, the way they're designed. And uh, that's something that we, as a, as a whole, as an organization, I right, need to do a better job of working together uh, with the players and the coaches so that we can do a better job of, getting that right. We're going to play a really good Tennessee team. Uh, you know, this game means a lot to a lot of people in Alabama. It's kind of a rivalry game, and uh, it's always been an important game for us. Um, Tennessee's got an outstanding team. They're undefeated. Um, Josh has done a really, really good job there. Um, probably one of the most explosive uh, offenses, if not the most explosive offense, you know, in the country. Uh, they've got really good wide receivers. Four guys have lots of production. They've got two really good running backs, lots of production. The quarterback, you know, Hooker is, you know, really done a nice job of executing their offense. Uh, he's one of the leading pass efficiency guys in the country, as well as uh, has ability to extend plays and make plays with his feet. He's a very good athlete all the way around and uh, has had a, an outstanding year. Uh, their defense is, you know, one of the top defensive teams, especially in terms of creating negative plays and um, making people difficult for them to score. Um, 17 points a game is, you know, really good and one of the tops in the SEC. 
And um, they're always really solid with their specialists and on special teams. So this is a really, really good team, a real challenge for us. And um, our priority has to be, you know, we got we, we got to we got to get it right ourselves. And, um, you know, so that we do a better job of putting ourselves in positions of having a chance to be successful. And when we do that, we got to take advantage of it. How has J.C. Latham been playing at, at right tackle here lately? And, and uh, how would you evaluate the offensive tackle play as a whole to date? Um, you know, I think J.C. has done a good job all year. He's a passionate guy, tries to play physical, um, and he's made nice improvement throughout the year. I don't think as an offensive line as a whole, this was one of our best games. I think A&M has a really good front. And um, we we need to do a better job uh, overall up front to um, be more consistent. You know, we we make yards rushing, but you know, how how many positive plays versus um, negative plays? And a negative play to me means you don't gain three yards or more. So um, you know that that consistency, you know, we need to continue to work on. It, what's the latest on Bryce Young's status? Uh, Bryce is getting reevaluated today. Uh, I don't really know much. I hadn't talked to Doc, you know, since he did that. Um, hopefully, we're going to try to get him ready to play this week. But this is this is something that, you know, nobody can predict. You know how quickly this is going to um, give him an opportunity to be able to go out and do what he needs to do and. You know, we'll see as the week progresses, but uh, I don't have an update much, much more than that. After watching the film, just how effective did you think that package with Will and, and Dallas and Chris Braswell in the field together was at getting pressure on the quarterback? Well, I thought we did a good job of getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, I, I know we had three sacks, but we had, you know, probably, you know, 10 or 12 other pressures on the quarterback. Um, so it was, it worked well for us. It was effective. Talked about their defense that Tennessee has. Uh, what about their run defense specifically stands out to you, um, for them? Well, you know, they're physical up front. They play hard. Um, they're aggressive in terms of, uh, their style of, you know, bringing people, create negative plays. Uh, they tackle well. They play hard. They play well together. So, um, they have a good understanding of, you know what they're trying to get done on each call, so they're they're a good front seven. What could the wide receivers do to make Jalen or Bryce's job a little easier in keeping the passing game consistent? Well, I, I don't know that um, no no one's standing here blaming the receivers for anything. I think we all need to self-assess and. You know, the only way you learn is um, when you make a mistake, you listen, you learn, you improve, you don't make the same mistake again. And um, we need to play better at all positions uh, on offense relative to um, what we did in the last game. And I think most of the players would probably tell you the same. So um, I can't really say that the receivers didn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, could they do it better? Absolutely. Um, could we get better play at every position, whether it's quarterback, wide receiver, whatever? Absolutely. So that's what we're trying to focus on so that we can have more consistency running the ball and passing the ball.
still there with Katie. Coach, you talked about turnovers a little bit in your opening statement, and obviously you still won all your games this year, but how challenging is it to win games when you have a negative turnover margin, and how much is that something you want the offense and defense to improve on in this last half of the season? Well, we've been emphasizing it like crazy, and, and um, this is the first time in a long time we've had a negative turnover ratio um, at this point in the season. Uh, we don't get enough turnovers on defense, and um, we've put, you know, we've given the ball up more than we have historically, and both of those things need to improve because it is very, very challenging. I've said many times before, you know, one of the most compelling stats relative to winning and losing is turnover margin. And every week we show the players, okay, if you're plus one, you're plus two, you're plus three, all over the country, what was the record? If you're minus one, minus two, minus three, all over the country, what was the record? And it's pretty compelling. So, um, you know, it's one of the and, – and the players understand that, and they understand the value of turning the ball over relative to the other team, what it what the average turnover in a season allows you to score. And when you get a turnover, what that benefits you in scoring. So these are very important factors that have been emphasized, and we just need to do a better job. Hey, Coach, um, you're about midway through the season. Just overall, how do you feel about your team at this point in the year? Um, look, I believe in our team, um, but I believe in our team when our team does the things that they need to do to have a priority of doing their job. Um, because, you know, everybody looks at people's flaws and, um, those things get exposed if you don't do things correctly. And I think the big thing that we need to do is make sure that we're doing things correct correctly collectively as a group on a more consistent basis. When we do that, I think we have a very good team. When we haven't done that, we're pretty average. So it's kind of everybody's choice uh, to try to get it right, and it's our responsibility as coaches to help them get it right. Number 11, Jalen Hyde for Tennessee. He's top five in the SEC in both receptions and reception touchdowns. Just what do you see from him on film? And what do you plan from going forward? Well, he's an outstanding player. He's got really good speed. Um, you know, their offense spreads people out, um, and they take great advantage of spreading the ball around to all their skilled players. Um, he, in particular, has made a lot of big plays, um, which they take a lot of shots. And... Um, They've converted a lot of shots, and one of the, you know, keys to the game is not giving up big plays, uh, and that'll be really important for us uh, if we're going to be successful against them on defense. And we're going to not only have to guard him, but about three or four other guys that are pretty good receivers as well. Coach, you talked about his growth before, but was was there ever a moment in practice where you felt like, okay? Deontay Austin's kind of got a handle on this now. Yeah, he's been, you know, we've been playing him all year long. Um, I thought he played uh, fairly well in the game uh, this past week. And um, we got a lot of confidence in him. You know, he's a good competitor. He's serious about what he does. He's smart. He understands what he's supposed to do. Uh, he can run. He's a good athlete. So um, pleased with his progress and thought he played, you know, fairly good game for the 
especially being, you know, his first start when he had to go out there and play the whole game. So he did a really good job. You mentioned after the game that you wanted to go back and look at Jalen Murrow's passing. Just what did you see that he did well, and what did you see that maybe he needs to improve on? Well, I, I just think Jalen played with a lot of anxiety, and I, I don't think, you know, he allowed himself to let his training sort of guide him um, and trust and believe in it so that, you know, he could have success in executing plays. And, you know, you you can't turn the ball over uh, and not execute plays like they're designed relative to the read of what you should and shouldn't do. So those things are all things that we need to definitely improve on um, so that we can utilize all 11 players on our offensive team. Uh, we got skilled guys that can make plays. We got to, you know, distribute the ball at the quarterback position so they can. And whether it's a run or a pass or an RPO or an advantage throw, you got to make the right choices and decisions on those things. And uh, I think we definitely need to improve in all those areas. Thank you. That was Coach Saban and his Monday press conference and a lot of good news and notes there from him. We're going to get dive into a break. We'll come back on the other side. More to come. And also Mick Gillespie, Bam Insider on 3 Media, joins us at 1230. Stay with us. We're live from AVX. Audio Video Excellence continues. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. The best sports talk in the state, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hey, Tide fans, heading to Knoxville this weekend? Catch Mecham Auctions in downtown Chattanooga this Friday and Saturday with 600 American muscle cars, classics. This recent nights are low at 52. For tomorrow, another warm and dry day. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Here on this Monday edition, again, Mick Gillespie going to be joining us from Bama Insider on 3 Media at the bottom of the hour, 1230. So look forward to that about eight minutes away from that. So I have a quick segment here, but uh, let's go back to this Alabama and uh, A&M game. Again, 24-20, the final, and uh, you look at uh, as far as just some of the numbers and the highlights uh, from uh, the game. And uh, again, Jalen Milrow really uh, struggled as far as the turnovers with the uh, two fumbles, the interception, uh, and uh, also ended up 12 of 19, 111 yards and three touchdowns and one interception. So there, there was some some good plays, some good stuff there by Jalen. But as a quarterback, you've got to, as Coach Saban uh, brought up and, and uh, in a little bit of a way, he said, look, you never can hurt your team. you got to help them win, but do nothing that's going to hurt your team as far as putting them in a position to lose. I thought the defense played excellent on Saturday, guys. I, I, that's the speed, the cheetah package, uh, having Braswell, Will Anderson Jr., Dallas Turner in there together. 
Um, Matt reminded me uh, a lot of our 92 team, how quick they were off the ball as far as putting pressure on the quarterback uh, and King really having a tough day as far as uh, struggling uh, with that kind of pressure. What eight, I think, hurries it was for Will Anderson, three sacks total for the Crimson Tide, hey. and close to, uh, I think, 11, 12 uh, hurries overall by uh, that. But uh, he was close every time. Haynes uh, uh, King, 25 at 46, 253 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. But uh, Jalen's got to clean that stuff up, and uh, we'll wait to hear. Coach said he's met with the doctors, or going to be meeting with the doctors, to hear about the evaluation they had this morning. Has not met with them yet to hear what they say as far as moving forward with Bryce. But um, I, I think there's a great chance of getting him back this week for the Tennessee matchup. May I just say this? They're not going to beat Tennessee without him. Do you Do you agree? Yeah. Um, and I was surprised that the Tennessee line was uh, was not closer to Tennessee being favored. I will say this about the Texas A&M game. Alabama's defense, and you mentioned this, Jay, held A&M's rushing attack to 70 yards, 2.8 yards per carry. Yes, the defense played great. The offense just didn't help them out. I'm okay with a pick, but the fumbles and the way they happened, he should have had that ball locked down. He got stripped. He got, you know, they pulled back on his wrist. He did not have a good grip on the football. That, to me, the two fumbles are the issue. But it stopped. It doesn't stop there. Um, Will Reichert just had an off night. Mm-hmm. Uh, he missed two field goals that I would have bet 25 bucks on. That's a lot yeah. of money for me. Got to uh, hope that there's no lingering effects I, from that. You know, he's just been so steady and so good. I don't think that's going to be a problem, even at Tennessee. And then one thing that may aggravate me more than anything was the two late personal fouls at such inopportune times. Yeah. Lars, that's not Alabama. That's not no. Nick Saban at all. Um, Jay, when it comes to analyzing just kind of the fundamentals of Jalen Milrow and his mechanics, uh, what do you see? Do you, do you see a quarterback that, uh, that just needs some, some fine tuning or where do you, where do you begin to, to, to try to build him back up as a passer? Yeah, the biggest thing, just trust to the system, trust to the plays, trust what you've been coached, as Coach Saban talked about, and go through that process. Don't try to reinvent it. Don't try to go off schedule with uh, your reads. Don't uh, look, put your head down and look uh, look at the rush. Instead, keep your eyes down the field. You know, this is a lot of the st- same things we talked about with Jalen Hurts early in his career. We talked about it with Blake Sims early in his career. Um, I mean, running quarterbacks – are guys that are used to using that ability in high school and they can escape. They can get away from, you know, average athletes, if not below average athletes in high school and college, especially in the power five in the sec, you can't do that. And you, you can't think that I can just escape now and, and turn the field and reduce it down into a third or half a field uh, to work with. And it just puts you in a tough spot. So there were reads that he came off of very quickly that if he stayed on them, uh, even the last sack that he took uh, or one of the last sacks he took, where the guy's crossing underneath and he's wide open. Um, if, if he just goes through his progression, stays in the pocket, or moves up in the pocket or around, um, you know, again, running quarterbacks, they're used to using their feet. They want to get outside. They're more comfortable on the outside where they can see things. The other thing, too, is that, um, you know, I think, Matt, he, he wants to see his guy open, and you can't do that. you got to throw to spots. you got to throw to areas. you got to throw guys open. Um, and that's all the progression of being on the field and getting the experience. He's got some now. They can now take this film, a full game, work with him, and help him get better. The good thing is all those things are correctable, even even the uh, uh, the fumbles. And, you know, look, 
I'm not as worried. I mean, I know you got to protect the ball. It happens all the time in the pocket with quarterbacks, especially where he was. Ball getting stripped. You just got to be more secure with it. Um, now, I, what I hate is when a guy's going down the field or gets hit, you know, a running back that's supposed to uh, be tucking it away at that time. At that time, you know, he's rushing, still running up in the pocket, still looking maybe to make a throw, and uh, he's just got to be more careful with it. Uh, uh, you know, the interception, if he if he gets the ball out there, it's probably a touchdown, at least a big play uh, to Burton instead underthrew him. And that was more like a punt. I mean, what, 30, 45 yards, uh, 30, 35 yards and went down the field. Um, and there's a lot of things here to correct, but there's a lot of things that can be corrected. Here's the good thing. He's an amazing athlete. Uh, he can fly. Uh, he can do a lot of great things. And I think you just build his confidence up there and just keep working with him on the progressions. Yeah, I mean, and you saw that on um, his second touchdown uh, on a RPO. He noticed that the linebackers were coming up uh, to go after Gibbs. I think Gibbs had just ripped off a long gain. So Milrow kept it, and he threw a strike to Burton in front of the safety, and Burton then beats him uh, for a 35-yard catch and run. And, um, you know, it's uh, that was – that. It was a beautiful read, beautiful throw, beautiful execution. So it's there, Matt. It's there. It just needs to be on a more consistent basis. But hey, I mean, the kid's making his first start in an SEC mm-hmm. in an SEC game. Jay nailed it. He needs more time. They know anything going to make him better than that? He needs more time on the field. Yeah, it's a talent. He's a very talented player. It really on. is. Uh, and, and I and I think to adjust what they do. I mean, the RPOs, the play action. More run plays designed for him. I think, you know, use his game to your advantage. Let him play his game. And uh, I think they learned more even about that and about him as the game went on. All right, so we'll continue on the other side. Mick Gillespie going to join us from Bama Insider and All 3 Media. Look forward to visiting with him and uh, get his take on the Crimson Tide. It's not only the A&M game, but getting ready for the Tennessee Volunteers coming up this weekend. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for high food treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHealth.com. Hi, it's Jay Barker for AVX, Audio Video Excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audiovisual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level of certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. Gary Burley here for Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. As a 10-year National Football League veteran, you can imagine my surprise being diagnosed with cancer and starting chemotherapy treatment back in 2014. I suffered from a lot of pain and offered up prayer during those days as I made it into remission. But I developed neuropathy. Anyone that suffers from this condition knows the pain is excruciating, nerve numbness and tingling along the tissue that won't heal. I tried everything for relief, folks, until my wife suggested I call Dr. Williford of Williford Chiropractic 
chiropractic and wellness. I called 205-909-7373 and scheduled an appointment. After three treatments, I began experiencing relief that I haven't had in years. If you're suffering from neuropathy, I suggest you reach out to Dr. Williford and his great staff at WilfordChiropracticAndWellness.com. Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. Give them a call at 205-909-7373. Balance your brain. Balance your life. Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205 716 Hi, it's Jay Barker for Siebel's in downtown Homewood, and now's the time to get your special place ready. Come in and let Siebel's design your porch with Kingsley Bait Outdoor Furniture and one of their custom swinging beds. For the great room, you're going to need their Carson Swivel Recliner. Siebel's is the number one Carson Recliner dealer in the country, and Sarah and I, we've got one, and we absolutely love it. Be sure also to check out their famous custom-made beds and bunk beds built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to Siebel'sCottage.com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel'sCottage.com. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's C. Letter O. Casey Jones, you better watch your speed. Trouble ahead, trouble behind. And you know that notion just crossed my mind. This old engine makes it on time. Welcome back in, and uh, I, I guess we got Mick up. I have not heard from uh, the studio, so you guys let me know if Mick, when Mick is up and ready to go. From Bama Insider on 3 Media, and uh, look forward to uh, getting uh, a lot of uh, his thoughts. Uh, we talked post-game, and all right, he's up and ready to go. Mick Gillespie joining us from Bama Insider on 3 Media. And, uh, Mick, we heard him on post-game. One guy said he was in the hospital, had had a heart attack. Uh, we heard about Coach Saban talking about uh, that Jalen played with anxiety. We had a lot of callers that called in and said, he looked uh, a lot of anxiety. Uh, he looked uh, a little bit shaky, uh, shaky at times uh, in the in the pocket. But you expect that. I mean, first start, first time to go out there in a primetime game, two thirty CBS and against Texas A and M. Um, you know, a lot to learn from this game. But uh, just your, your initial thoughts after kind of hearing some of the reaction post game and, and just now having some time to digest it all. Well, first thing, Jay, anytime you hear the Grateful Dead coming in from break, you know I'm here and ready, right? That's my, I guess, my calling call. Uh, but, but secondly, man, I mean, that post-game show was intense. 
and and a ton of people watched it. You know, which is crazy. I mean, it just shows you how media is so different now. We couldn't take all the calls. I mean, it just it just kept going and going and going. But I had anxiety, and I wasn't even under center. I mean, you know, we talked about that after the game. I every time Milro went back to pass, he looked so uncomfortable. You could feel it. Um, and you know, not to get you know 200 yards passing this day and age is. You know, it really tells you something. But Alabama ran it over 50 times, and, and Texas A&M couldn't stop them. I thought Alabama played, besides the turnovers, like a team that should have really killed Texas A&M. That didn't happen. The turnover ratio for Alabama concerns me, and the inconsistency that this program has right now concerns me. But you know what? With, with all of that said, and I know we'll talk about it, I can't look past the fact that these guys know how to win. And at the end of the day, even as you know, when Nick Saban talks about the anxiety of the quarterback and the, the, the turnover ratio in his press conference, which we already knew, there is something, and it's a big something, to be said about a team that figures out how to win at the end of the day. Alabama's trying to get back to being dominant every single game, and I hope that they do get there. I think they will. But being able to find a way to win – is important. That's the most important thing that you're doing every game, I think. Yeah, Mick, uh, what did you think about the final play of the game? Uh, Johnny Manziel, he suddenly reemerges, right, from the shadows. Uh, he came out and uh, tweeted, uh, yeah. and this was, the tw- this was what he said, this is what he tweeted, every single practice you have a goal line period and practice these type of situations that's a joke of an ending for the Aggies he was really upset and I think a lot of am fans were upset with the final play call uh what was your assessment of that last play in Tuscaloosa on Saturday night I didn't think Texas am was ready to win the football game you know they got lucky with the pass interference call that I Oh, they just made it, you know, like at the end of the game, which was pretty – I mean, I think it was pass interference too, but it, to take that long to make a call like that and that's odd, you know, it's kind of odd, but whatever, you know. Um, they just didn't look like they were ready to win. And, and I was – in my mind, I was going back to some of the worst losses that, you know, as a fan and not a commentator, you know, um, I, I always go back to – the, the time that Louisiana Tech beat Alabama and Birmingham, and I was at the game. And that was probably the worst loss as a fan I've ever been to. Uh, Tim Rattay with that bomb at the end of the game. Alabama's defense just couldn't figure out how to knock the ball down. But I, 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 I remember watching Louisiana Tech in that game, and they looked like a team that wanted to win the game. Texas A&M looked like a team that just didn't want to get embarrassed. And there's a difference. You know, it's like when you talk to the guys on the 2008 national championship team and they're like, well, we, we wanted to get to the SEC championship game. 2009, we wanted to win it all. Texas A&M looked like a team that wasn't ready to win the football game. And, and I think it's funny that Jimbo Fisher um, was yelling out at the guy that they wanted to catch the last pass. And our, our defensive player looks over and sees that and knew the ball was coming his way. But even had the guy caught the ball, he was so short of the goal line that he wouldn't have scored anyway. And I don't know about you guys, but that particular play reminded me of the Georgia-Alabama SEC championship game where uh, Georgia was driving at the end of the game. The Amari Cooper was the star of the Alabama team. I I can't remember what year it was. But anyway, um, 
and and they threw the ball. You know, they needed to get it in the end zone, and they threw the ball short. That's how the game ended. You know, so um, yeah. I don't blame Johnny Manzo. I mean, I thought the play call was terrible. You got to get it in the end. You got to get it in the end. I didn't think it was pass interference. By the way. Maybe close, but uh, that would have changed the complexity of the game and certainly shortened it. You're right. Hey, um, it, it, it took some guts to make that call. It it really did. Um, I want to get maybe start with Mick, but get you. I thought Haynes King played a remarkable game for a freshman under those circumstances. Mick, he almost beat Alabama, and boy, was he emotionally distraught afterwards. I mean, everybody's in. He had pressure in his face the entire game. He just threw. He just threw the ball. I mean, it was almost exactly like last year, where you're going, okay, um, somebody's going to catch that for Alabama. There's going to be an interception. But the thing that concerns me most about Alabama is that their defense hasn't had more turnovers. I mean, you'd figure they would with the pressure that they're getting up front. Uh, but yeah, I mean, give the guy a lot of credit. You know, he had a chance to win. They had a chance to win with a backup quarterback, a guy that I don't think's that good. But you know what? I mean. Um, you know what? A lot they had a lot of those young, five, you know, five-star guys in the game too that they recruited last year. Their offense is going to continue to get better. They just got to rip the playbook away from Jimbo. You know, he did it. The, the, the quarterback to me did an okay job. Yeah, he probably better than he should have. I want to go back to what Lars brought up. Uh, Mick Gillespie again with us from Bama Insider on Three Media. I was very surprised at that last call. And uh, Lars, I know we're going to kind of dive into it, but you, you brought it up. Normally now you have anywhere between eight to ten two-point conversion plays ready to go. And why? Because of overtime. The overtime rules have changed. So uh, you work almost a whole uh, period on two-point conversions at some point in time during the week, or at least you work in the summer on about eight to ten plays, if not more, that you have to go to. And it just seemed like a very simplistic, um, not really thinking through type of call. You got a guy in Haynes King who can run. Why not put him on the on the outside and let him have a chance to run it in from two yards or at least put pressure on the defense to make a decision on run or pass. Uh, what do you think about that, Mick? I mean, very surprised, as Lars said about that last call. Johnny Menzel, I did see his uh, his comments, and we even talked about it postgame. Yeah, I mean, I mean, going back to that again, I just don't think they were ready to win, and I, I, the, the play call to me was uh, surprisingly bad. You know, I – who, who knows? It's a two-point play, right? And don't you think that in that situation, if it's Texas A&M, you have nothing to lose? Maybe be creative on that play. You know, maybe try like a double reverse pass or, you know, the Statue of Liberty, which what he saw Boise, Boise State use to beat Oklahoma in a bowl game. I guess if I'm, you know, a Texas A&M person right now, it's not that you lost the football game. But if, if you had an opportunity to stun Alabama, and let me tell you, it would have been an absolutely gut-wrenching loss had Alabama won. I mean, it feels like the team lost and they won the game anyway, right? Um, you had a chance to do that, you, but you didn't take a swinger's punch at the end of the game. Yeah, and this is really for both Mick and, and Jay. Is, is Alabama going to benefit from this, I mean, we said after the Texas game, all right, hey, one close call, this is great because most national championship winning teams they have that close call. Now Alabama's had two close calls. Is is there uh, is there a positive? And I'll start with you, Mick, and then Jay. Is there a positive that Alabama can take away from this? Well, I think there is. Look, I think there is. so many 
I, I can go back to teams I played on. I, I was on a couple of teams that were really good and won all the regular season games with, with no problem at all. And then you get into the playoffs and you play those close games and you're not ready to play them. And I don't care how much talent you have, there is something to be said. And it's a big something not only to win games, but to know how to play a close game, you know, to know how to deal with pressure. And that's in every single sport. It's like that. So Jay won a national championship in 92. That was an awesome team. They played a lot of close games, but they found a way to win, and they navigated through it. And I think that Alabama is uh, definitely, with as tough as the schedule is, and then having to win games like this, will be battle-tested. Yeah, and from my perspective, I think that, you know, even with Jalen Milrow, I mean, you would much rather him make these fumbles against A&M early in the season than coming in for Bryce in the SEC title game after an injury and then having those fumbles and, and not thinking about ball security. And uh, he's gotten this game under his belt. That's going to improve him as a player and uh, probably improve his anxiety as well. As Coach Saban talked about as far as playing that position in a big moment. And um, so I think a lot, a lot to learn from it. Defense, again, I thought the defense looked really, really good this weekend, as good as I've seen them play all year. And, and the pressure, uh, the speed on the field, that cheetah package is going to be something for a lot of teams to have to deal with and to struggle with uh, throughout the season. Three outstanding athletes uh, on the field. All right, let's take a quick break. we got Mick Gillespie joining us from Bama Insider on 3 Media. He'll continue with us coming up on the other side. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. Weather brought to you by Tidwell Chiropractic, the only third-generation chiropractor in Tuscaloosa with over 25 years' experience. Call Tidwell Chiropractic at 752. Oldest recent nights are low at 52. For tomorrow, another warm and dry day. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Mick Gillespie joining us from Bama Insider, Aubrey Media, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter. I'm Jay Barker. You're listening to the Jay Barker Show this Monday edition. Earlier, Nick Saban on his presser and uh, on Monday talking about uh, the game and the turnovers and things that they, they got to correct heading into this Tennessee matchup. Also talked highly about not only uh, the coach, Heupel, as well as the quarterback and uh, also some of their skilled players and uh, Tennessee playing at a very high level right now uh, than they played in many, many years. Amazing how quickly uh, Josh Heupel has been able to turn things around. Mick, let's go there now. Tennessee, Alabama. We all used to remember the uh, third Saturday in October. This will not be the third Saturday in October, but uh, it's definitely uh, still Tennessee and Alabama headed to Knoxville to play this game. And, uh, man, that Tennessee crowd, you got to think, they think this is the year that they get it done. Yeah, pay close attention to this rivalry. It's my favorite rivalry. And, uh, you know, it was, it was crazy. Ben George... And I, you know, used to do a show with uh, Mike Johnson and Baron Buber. And Baron was from Knoxville, so he knew what it meant. I mean, he grew up a Tennessee fan, going to Tennessee games. And then when he came to Alabama, um, you know, he wanted to play at Tennessee. They didn't let him. And there was always, uh, you know, just a little bit of extra ump coming from him when he was on the team and eventually won the national championship. You know, he got it. Ben and I were in school at Alabama. Never won the game. Lost. 
every single year. And then, you know, Mike comes to school. He grew up a Florida State guy. He gets to Tuscaloosa and Alabama, just starts beating these guys every single year. And it's been like 15 straight years, you know. And so for someone like me who, who spent some time working in that area, you know, I, I, I'll give tours, ballpark tours at Smokey Stadium. I'll say, hey, um, you know, I you know, tell them what I do and that I'm involved with Alabama. I graduated from there. And they boo me, and then I'll be, you know, classes. And I'll say, all right, well, raise your hand if you were alive last time Alabama beat Tennessee. And, and <laughs> I mean, these kids, they none of them can do it, you know. Uh, it's a very prideful program. We saw the same thing happen with with Alabama when, you know, they moved on from Gene Stallings and, and weren't prepared with the, the right coaches. And it took a long time to get back on track. But I got to tell you, Tennessee is on the right track again. They're going to be a force. Um, and it starts with basically their leadership, their president of the university, Randy Boyd, is a, a really good president. He, any, he, any school would like to have him. And if you know anything about these programs, the, the, the fish always rots from the head down. And that's what happened at Alabama. They had just such bad people running the athletic department and, and made stupid decisions. Tennessee went through the same thing. You know, now they've got the ship right at Danny White. Their athletic director is good. But you go, you go to what they're doing now. They have money with the NIL, okay? So they are going to spend money just like, you know, every other school is going to do right now to get talent. Josh Heupel has brought in this system where they want to go fast. And uh, and then they went and they, they really lucked up with Hendon Booker. Uh, and, and, and he's been amazing. I was at the Pitt-Tennessee game last year. They had the, their other quarterback starting, and they had guys running free the whole first half and no one could throw the ball to him you know once they put hooker in there it's been a different type of team so their weakness is defense and uh alabama better be ready because they love to take chances and throw the ball down the field so if they don't pressure the quarterback and, and you saw it with lsu this week um they're gonna they're gonna have a tough time stopping them now i will say this hendon hooker took a really big hit in that lsu game and he didn't look so good afterwards so if alabama gets a hat on him, uh, I, I, I think he can be rattled. But uh, even without Cedric Tillman, their top receiver, uh, Jabari Small can run the ball. I mean, he, he was very effective in the game. Their offensive line, for the first time in years, is actually pretty good. Their defense is okay. But they score so many points, they put pressure on you, you're going to have to keep up with them. Yeah, and that's exactly what I wanted to stick with was the fact that Tennessee leads the nation in total offense with 548 yards a game, and it's really not a, a fluke. I mean, Tennessee's beaten three ranked teams, Pittsburgh, Florida, and now uh, LSU. How many points, uh, excuse me, how many points do you think Alabama is going to need to put up against this Tennessee team and how uh, effective do you think Alabama's defense can be in slowing uh, hooker, uh, 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 assuming that he's fully healthy. Yeah, look, Hooker's going to play in the game, but I think so is Bryce Young. And uh, this could be like, you know, when, when uh, what was it, Alabama and Ole Miss, when Arch Manning was there, and you know, and I guess he was against maybe Snake. Um, but I think this could be one of those classic games. You know going in that they're going to score 31 points on Tennessee. They score 31 points every single game or more even against Alabama's awesome defense. I mean, and I know that it was turnovers that set Texas A&M up, but to give up 20 points to that awful Texas A&M team uh, offense, which to me was is not good, 
you know, and then you compare it to being on the road at Tennessee. You're going to need at least 31. Scoring has not been an issue for Alabama, though. I think Alabama's defense is good enough to hold Tennessee back. But, but you know, I'm looking like 45-35 probably, somewhere in that neighborhood. Mick, always great to have you on. Tell everybody how they can find you. we got about 10 seconds. Yep, Bama Insider, the YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to be on there tonight, Monday Night Quarterback. And then on Fridays, you can watch the uh, Tailgate Show, which is uh, on fire right now. Six to eight will be in Knoxville this week doing the show. Roll tight, everybody. All right, uh, Mick Gillespie. Thank you, Mick. Bama Insider on three okay. media. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson. I'm Jay Parker. Continue with us. Hour number two coming up next. We'll continue to break down Alabama, Tennessee, coming up this weekend in Knoxville. Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance. The fit specialists at the New Balance Birmingham store conduct an in-depth analysis of your foot size, shape, and gait, determining the best New Balance shoes for you. Experience the difference of custom fit today at the New Balance Birmingham store on Highway 280 next to Chick-fil-A. New Balance Birmingham. Your feet will thank you. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option. High-intensity focused ultrasound or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHEALTH.COM. I'm excited to tell you about our newest sponsor here on the Jay Barker Radio Network. They pioneered the Chicken Finger Box and the Chicken Finger Restaurant. That's Guthrie's. Guthrie's recipes and processes are often imitated but never duplicated. Look, their sauce is probably the most copied sauce of all sauces all time. And I've known this family since my days down in Tuscaloosa and they came over. And man, I tell you, it's nostalgic even today to see my kids going to that same Guthrie's. A great family, do so much for the community, but more importantly, provide the best when it comes to chicken fingers. Get out to Guthrie's today. I want to tell you about my good friends at Southern Assurance Group. Hi, it's Jay Barker, and look, Ken Needham has done a terrific job. Local company, 205-980-1505 is their number. That's 980-1505. Again, local, you can speak with the same team every time you give them a call. Full line of products from Auto Home, Boat Life. You'll trust them. They have a great uh, deal as far as the relationships they build with their customers and 20 years with the same company and industry. Custom approach for your insurance needs. Give them a call, 980-1505. That is Southern Assurance Group. Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205 716 whether it's for lunch or dinner, head out to the Cajun Steamer. It's a New Orleans-style joint that serves authentic Cajun and Creole food, cold beer, and great drinks. They are known for their wide array of Cajun classics and original creations prepared in an authentic fashion. This Louisiana kitchen can have you slapping the table for more. Stop by the Cajun Steamer and sign up for your Alabama, LSU, or Auburn fan card. Eat with the Cajun Steamer while your team is on TV and use your fan card to receive a 15% discount on your entire meal. With locations in Hoover, Trustful, Huntsville, and Franklin, Tennessee, they've got you covered. 
covered. Head out today to the Cajun Steamer. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's GoFan.letter C, letter O. Birmingham's best Mexican restaurant for over 20 years and counting. That's La Paz Restaurant in Crestline Village and Mount Laurel. They've got a great staff. Its delicious menu, award-winning cheese dip, and margaritas and vibrant atmosphere have helped to make La Paz a local favorite. Blue corn nachos, Texas barbecue quesadillas, steak and blue quesadillas, Baja fish tacos, signature fajitas, and much, much more. So head over to La Paz today. If you want a great lunch or a great dinner, you'll find all that at La Paz, Crestline, and Mount Laurel for lunch or dinner. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Who you are is more important than what you do. The only way that you're going to have any kind of success in your life, you have to buy into a process of what it takes to reach a goal. How can I be the best I can be at what I do? How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? You can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great is the things that you had to overcome to accomplish them. We have about five choices in our life, and everybody has a choice as to what they want to do and how they want to do that. But if you're going to be excellent or elite, you got to do special things. You have to have special intensity. You have to have special focus. It doesn't matter what God-given ability that you have, but without the rest of it, I'm not sure you ever get excellent or elite. You have to have toughness. What does it take to break you? I don't care what circumstance you're faced with. What does it take to break your focus, to make you give in? You're tired or you don't feel like giving effort or finishing the play like you should? I'm not saying it's our goal to try to break you. It's just the way it is in football. It's going to be difficult if you're getting yourself ready to play at a high level. And just because you got beat on the last play, that can't affect the next play. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tight. Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992. Winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history. 35-2-1. Member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show. Hour number two, up and ready to go. Again, thanks for uh, Mick Gillespie joining us in hour number one, as he does every 
uh, Monday and uh, get a chance to hear his thoughts on Alabama's win over Texas A&M. Also looking ahead to Tennessee coming up this weekend on Saturday in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, Alabama right now sitting at six and zero. And but they did move down. We're going to talk about that as far as the spot to number three in the AP and coaches poll. So uh, we'll get uh, your guys' thoughts about that and uh, much much more coming up. Also want to get into. Uh, the quarterback uh, for Tennessee, Hendon Hooker, transferred from Virginia Tech back in January of 2021. So uh, a year and uh, about a half uh, under his belt at Tennessee and doing an outstanding job. But off the field, uh, the kind of uh, person and the uh, the type of player that he is as well uh, with his teammates, family, and friends. We'll get into all that, uh, these storylines heading into the Tennessee matchup. We are presented by Top Golf of Birmingham. Get out to Top Golf. You'll absolutely love it. The food, the drinks, the fun. Just playing golf with your friends, hitting the balls, and uh, some laughs, as well as a, a lot of uh, claps and praises for some uh, that are able to go out there and have a good time playing the game of golf. But uh, just a great time. We call it the bowling of this generation because it's exactly what it is. All right, get out to Top Golf of Birmingham. You'll love it. We're driven by Sonny King Ford on the sunny side of the street. Go see Tony Russell and all the great folks there at Sonny King Ford. All right, guys, as we uh, look ahead to this matchup, Alabama and Tennessee, we got Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, as we uh, continue here live from AVX, Audio Video Excellence. And uh, I want to get into Hendon Hooker. And, you know, a lot has been said about him, but um, you know, it's really a family affair. Wrote a, read a great story about that. His sister uh, took over his NIL. It really helped him as far as establishing that uh, at Tennessee and may have already been doing that at Virginia Tech. Uh, his parents, his dad was, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame at his school, uh, a player, his mom, both the athletes. Uh, Henry Hooker also, uh, I think one of the uh, interesting things about him, he's a book writer, uh, Lars. He uh, actually uh, wrote a children's faith-based book uh, that he uh, had a chance to uh, write and uh, said he really wanted to build a not only impact this generation through the book, but also uh, his nephew. Uh, and uh, cousins and all the people in his family. Uh, so uh, it's called the ABCs of Scripture for Athletes. And it came out, um, they announced the book, I think it was last uh, November. And uh, so uh, they really uh, they ordered it on hookedonsports.org. And I thought that was really great. Uh, a guy that's really trying to do something different off the field and uh, using his name, image, and likeness. This is the type of stuff that we talked about, whether it be writing books, doing camps, those type of things. And uh, he took it to a different level. Yeah, they have a, uh, a, a really close-knit, special uh, five-member family of the immediate family there. As you said, uh, Dad Allen, he uh, was a Hall of Fame uh, college quarterback at uh, – was it North Carolina? North Carolina A and T. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. And and that's all where his and, son is and now. His Alston, other son his is young, the, the youngest is Alston. He's twenty one. He's playing quarterback there now. And Hendon's twenty four. And then they have a, a daughter named Nile, who's twenty seven. Mom's name's Wendy. And uh, look, they they really are Jay and Matt. Uh, all about faith, family, and football in that order. Faith, family, football. And it's cool for someone so young to uh, to you know put put it down on paper, put it put put the words together, and um, and uh, it, it's it, it's a uh, I know a little bit about this book. Again, as Jay, as you mentioned, it's called the ABCs of Scripture for Athlete, and in it, uh, the two brothers they offer athletes, uh, young and old, just uh, key Bible verses to remember as uh, they handle just the ups and downs of not just competitive sports, but also of, of life in general. 
the subtitle reads stay motivated and uh matt he's really a a a, a young a young man that uh is worth rooting for a good yeah, guy t- except this weekend and i swear i i, I can <laughs> say that but i'm sorry hendon I, I respect you and boy do i ever um it says here on on one site his goal was for the work his book to be a positive influence in the lives of kids in the community he uses a bible themed abc structure in order to do that um but i think i told y'all i heard him about two weeks ago on fine bomb mm-hmm. uh, you did yes yeah. and i've not been impressed with an on-air interview more than hendon hooker than i have i don't know and, and i'm not kidding maybe since jay barker in 91 uh just that, that kind of person where you're listening and going wow i like this well guy. that's kind of interesting jay do you see a little bit of yourself in Hendon, when you were that age, I do. Um, I mean, that's hard for me to say that. I mean, I, I, I would say that he is his own person, and I think you go through your own experiences. I, I'm just glad that he is. I mean, this is an NIL deal, right? I mean, you could not have done this. You could not be selling a book and something that you had done and using your platform at that particular time at you know at Tennessee and with his brother uh, Austin or Austin. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but. Uh, he said he he had his six year old cousin Landon in mind when he decided on the book's audience and kind of what he wanted to uh, present. He said Landon idolized him, and uh, his brother dreams of being a college ball player one day. So, uh, as Matt brought up, I mean it's it's a great thing that he's done. I mean he he's taking um, uh, the 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 pattern of the book, the ABC books, uh, or, or uh, for the youth, but the the purpose is personal. He said use an outfit to teach scriptures with sport themes. Each page contains a letter and a corresponding scripture just like those flashcards years ago, and it illustrates with drawings of Hendon, Austin, and other athletes uh, as well. So, uh, again, um, man, I mean, I I love the fact that he's stepping out there. I love the fact that he's able to do this while he's in college. Um, You know, I was able to be a part of a book. I didn't write it. It was ghostwritten or written by Wayne Atchison, who was the FCA director. I could not have that book written until after I was uh, finished up at Alabama, but was able to share my faith talk about family stories and things that happen to me, not just on the field, but, but off the field. And hopefully uh, that book made a, you know, an m- impact on somebody. Um, and I've, I've gotten many uh, correspondence from it and or about it over the years. And even to this day, I'll run into people that come up and talk about, uh, Hey, my mom and dad bought this for me. And um, I got it for Christmas. I got it for a birthday or this, you know, even people that were my age and, and, and above, they have, have read it. Um, and, and, you know, that means the world. I know, for him, I mean, to me, it just, it's, it's great to see that he's using his platform, Matt, as, as a way to really say, look, this is me, this is who I am, this is what I believe in, and I'm not ashamed of it. This is, to me, this is what NIL was designed for, and they are using it in, in what I consider yep. to be a perfect way. I want to transition a little bit to football, Jay. Uh, he was a decent quarterback at Virginia Tech. He, he played three years. His last year, he played pretty well. He gets in the transfer portal. And he gets there to Hypel and has a really, really good year. And now he's having, technically, you know, just behind Stroud, I think, as a Heisman candidate. But I want to have, both of y'all answer this. Jay, you first. What is it, Hypel? Has he been hyped? Because he's playing like a different guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, when you get in a system, just like, you know, for me, I, look, I, uh, you know, played with Coach Stallings, a very conservative uh, type of play. Uh, Mal Moore at the time was my quarterback coach office coordinator he was like a father to me and uh but you know it, when homer came in smith my senior year right before that 
Uh, he came in for spring practice or got there in January. Uh, Mal Moore had stepped down at that time and gone into a uh, athletic um, uh, in, in the athletic administration and is like an associate athletic director and. Um, you know, he taught me things that I'd never been taught. Uh, we worked on fundamentals and things that I'd never even done, you know, the, the, the whole four years I'd been there before that. So my fifth year in college, he really impacted me in a, in a tremendous way of teaching me, saying things, uh, showing me how to really study, uh, to get ready for a game. Um, I've told people this before, and I've told you guys, I mean, we, we went through the game probably at least 20 times uh, mentally um, sitting on a board and these little pieces that he had. I know Phil Savage has talked about the boards that Homer had, and, and he'd also take a pencil the night before and just kind of work down that field. But he'd put the, he'd put the board out and he'd say, all right, it's first and uh, first and first and 10 on the five yard line going out. And we'd go from there. What do you want? What do you like? And I'd have to make the calls up and down the field. We'd run through that for, I'd do about three quarters. And then uh, the fourth quarter would be Brian. And then he'd do, uh, Freddie Kitchens would have about a third of that last fourth quarter that we'd play uh, that game, and that game lasted about an hour and a half of play calls from the quarterbacks. Uh, so that's that's probably the kind of stuff that he's getting now from Heupel that maybe he wasn't getting at Virginia Tech or other places that he's been that's improving his game. Plus, they've got some really great athletes around him. And uh, and also the philosophy, the way that Heupel runs the fast, up-tempo offense really fits what a guy like Hendon can do. And uh, because he's not only a great athlete, but he's a very smart guy that can process information large very, very quickly. Yeah. And, and staying with the, the, the smart theme, I, I would venture to uh, guess that Hendon and his brother are the only two active college football players that have published a book. And uh, I'm always interested in where the genesis of the idea for the book came from. And it was when they were little. Uh, they would go and uh, ask their mom and their dad uh, for advice on just, just, you know, everyday life stuff. And his dad said, you know, we didn't have enough wisdom. We weren't smart enough. So what, what did we do? We told them, here's the Bible. Read this. Read this. And they started collecting those things. They started studying them. They started literally meditating on them. And this uh, just a year ago or so. Uh, Hendon said to his dad uh, that it, he and his brother wanted to do a scripture book and he, and, he, and he wanted to put them in alphabetical order based on his favorites and and some of the things that he and his brother have dealt with over the years and so Jay like I said th this is a kid worth rooting for there's no doubt about it the first page a is for all highlights Romans 323 all of sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The second page, B, for B, and B-E, teaches Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid, for the Lord your God goes with you. And uh, that's how the, each of the uh, pages gone. I'm sure it's got some uh, some uh, stuff around it as well, kind of commentary and, and uh, letting you uh, kind of get a feel for that. But it's done in cartoon and really, again, targeting uh, young kids. So uh, good stuff. All right, we'll continue more on Alabama, Tennessee, with some other matchups. I want to get back into Auburn, Coach Harrison, kind of where he's at and their loss this weekend as well. So a uh, lot to dive into. Stay with us. We're live from ABX.
You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. At Academy Sports and Outdoors, they carry all the gear you need from the top brands, all at prices you'll love. And now, shopping at Academy is more convenient than ever. They all this recent nights are low at 52. For tomorrow, another warm and dry day. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A look at the college football rankings, AP and uh, the coaches' polls, a little bit different. Georgia sitting at number one in the AP poll, top 25. Ohio State at two, Alabama at three. Clemson moves into number four. They're up one spot. Uh, Michigan goes down one to five. Tennessee is up two to number six. USC is sitting at number seven. They're down one. Oklahoma State down one to number eight. Ole Miss stays at number nine. Penn State stays at number 10. That's your top 10. Uh, on the other side, Alabama is at number one, the coaches' poll. They got 35 first-place votes. Georgia got 32 first-place votes in the AP, so some discrepancy there between the coaches and the AP poll. Uh, Georgia at number two in the, in the uh, coaches' poll. Three is Ohio State, and four is Michigan. Uh, so everything stayed the same. Clemson at five, six at USC. Oklahoma State at seven. Tennessee at number eight. Number nine is Ole Miss. Penn State at number 10. No changes there in the coaches' top 10. Guys, any thoughts on that? And Look, you know, I know Alabama uh, on the offensive side of the ball, especially uh, the turnovers and everything. I mean, I think without the turnovers, Alabama wins by two or three touchdowns. I think if Bryce is, is there, they win by two, three, four touchdowns against this Texas A&M team. But um, it, it really caused the, uh, the the writers to think differently about Alabama and maybe about, uh, you know, whether or not Bryce will make it back, especially for this game. Now, granted, uh, they got Tennessee coming up. So, you know, if they have a, a hiccup, uh, it's number six in the country. It won't do that much damage uh, to Alabama, but uh, you still don't want to lose a game at this point. But if you're going to lose it, you want to lose it as early as possible in order to rebound from it. And again, and, uh, it's in the East, not the Western division as far as the, the opponent that you're playing. But uh, your guys thoughts on both of the polls. Uh yeah, Jay, I, I wanted to ask you this last hour. I just couldn't work it in. Uh, why did Bryce dress if they knew he wasn't going to play? And also, do you think Ty Simpson should have gotten a series or two? You know, I really thought at halftime they might come out with an idea of let's give him at least one series, whether it's the second or third series in the second half, in the third quarter just to give him some experience. And, uh, and let's just see whether or not can we open it up in the passing game. The guy's an excellent thrower, uh, but, but again, it's just the inexperience and maybe just the comfort level. Always go back to their practice. They're in the meetings. They understand where the players are a lot better than we do. We a lot of times base it on a guy coming in for mop-up duty or even when it comes to high school play that we expect that same type of play is going to happen on the field. They know a lot more about it. They got more intel than we do. So, you know, my thing is just trust the coaches that they're – 
making the best decisions. But I, I did think that there might be a possibility of seeing him at least for one series just to see could he provide a spark? Could, he, could the offense do something different? You see that a lot happen with coaches, and uh, they must have felt like it was more important for Jalen to go through this, to work through it, in order for him to be ready in case uh, Bryce can't make it back for Tennessee, not to, not to hurt his confidence, a guy that's been there for a while, and more importantly, if Bryce does make it back, if he goes down again, that uh, he'll have that experience to look back on. And, and does Bryce dress because you want him out there in pregame because uh, you want to keep Texas A&M guessing as to who the quarterback's going to be? I'm I, guessing I think that's so. It. I, 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 I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so. I, I think, too, that they realized uh, pretty quickly that he didn't throw a football in the warm-ups. And uh, if you're watching, the coaches, I'm sure, were watching uh, very closely at the beginning and realized he ain't playing. Um, so I, I don't know if it was more to just keep Bryce uh, in his mentality of getting dressed and going to the game and not getting out of that sequence, not getting out of that process of doing that. I think it have, may have more to do with that with him from a psychology standpoint than anything else. Christian Miller, who I do the pregame show with on uh, our affiliate, our flagship, Tide 100.9, I was asking him about this pregame, and he said, because I was saying, you know, you're going to make them think, and he said, whatever they do, I have a feeling that they will make the call before the game and they'll stick to it. That's exactly what it looked like. Yeah. Because I yeah. thought, maybe, maybe you ought to put Bryce in here. But he said, and I don't know, Jay, if this is a state if, if, if it's a saving thing or if it's what a lot of college coaches do. But he was pretty matter-of-fact. He said, if he doesn't start, I don't think he's going to play. Yeah. I, I think that's I – mean, they, they, yeah, because yeah, they would if they thought he could play, they would have started him. If they thought that even if he had to come in for an emergency, they, they would have gone ahead and played the guy that's the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, I will say this, Lord, I've never seen Bryce Young look as nervous as he looked on the sidelines because <laughs> he wasn't out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, when things aren't in your control, that's when you get nervous. Yeah, and exactly. uh, I mean, I'm sure he's seeing things that he thought that he could accomplish. Um, but just looking at the poll, I, I, the two polls, uh, just, let's just start at the top with Georgia. Um, I mean, they just thrashed Auburn. I thought Auburn was going to put up a fight. It was. I thought it this looked was, like this, it through a quarter this, and a half. This was going. I thought it was going to be a quintessential Auburn move to keep this game really, really close. And then they end up losing forty-two to ten. And now under Brian Harson, Auburn is nine and ten overall, three and three this year. I mean, they only gained two hundred and fifty-eight yards total offense. Just had ten first downs. No running game, inconsistent passing attack, and this is the most lopsided loss that Auburn has had since the 2012 Iron Bowl, and we all know what happened after the 2012 Iron Bowl. Coach was fired. Uh, I, I and it, I I was talking to an Auburn friend uh, who is who just you know lives and dies Auburn. And his sort of take on it of, of why Harson hasn't been fired yet because he's not really sure who is in control at Auburn, <laughs> who who uh, who could do it. Is it an interim uh, AD? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, all signs point to Harson not finishing the season as the head coach of Auburn. All right, guys. The, you know, the theory is now that Matt Rule's been canned. Nebraska. He's going to Nebraska. He's not going to Auburn. Jay, have you heard that? I, I hope he's going to Nebraska. No, but that that's the name that I heard early on. I brought this up, I think, two weeks ago. Matt Rule, um, that hurt to Auburn. 
and uh, that you know, if something did happen there in Carolina, that he would probably be one of their top candidates. Um, I mean, he, he's an excellent football coach. He did very well in college and uh, not as great in, in the NFL as we've seen. But, um, you know, the, the, the sad part about this is that I, I think a lot of what they're going through, and, and they don't want to admit this, is what they did in the offseason. I think it put a lot of discomfort and disarray and I think uh, discouragement as well as lack of trust, uh, knowing the administration, but also in Coach Harson for the players, for the staff, for the guys working there. Um, I, was, I was really surprised. You know, I don't know if you guys heard it or saw it, but Rick Neuhauser at one point in the game said, um, one of the things we talked to Coach Harson about, he said, hey, I've told my players and I've told my family, we can only control what we can control. Everybody knows that he's on his way out, but now it's for him to keep this team ready and just going through until he is gone. I mean, I, I couldn't believe that Rick Neuhauser said it on national TV that blatant, uh, but pretty much came out. And I think Harson must have told him um, that, hey, you know, I'm done. We're going to keep working. We can control all we can control is go out here and play, practice, do the things we can do. And we can't worry about it as a family or as a team uh, what everybody's saying about us right now. And um, Matt, I mean, Robbie Ashford, it's the most promising drive for Auburn in the first half. And it, it, he fumbles the ball apparently untouched, uh, trying to convert a third down with his legs. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think – you're right, Jay. I mean, everything that happened in the offseason just completely undercut Harson and the entire staff. And, uh, and, and look, these, are, these guys have lives. They have families. They have kids. And to know that you more than likely are going to be uprooted very shortly is got to be immensely stressful very difficult and then matt you're also trying to inspire your yeah. players when your players they know just as well as you do that mm -hmm. you're dead man walking essentially there's lame duck and then there's this which is far worse i, I mean I it's just... almost it's, it's like trotting the guy out there right now jay it's almost cruel yeah yeah and I, I think I, and I think the other thing too is and, and you guys have brought this up throughout the beginning of the year and i think we talked to terry henley but about it but, you know, they're, they're not even using Tank Bixby. I mean, that's the guy that's really losing out to this guy that was thought to be a, a really high draft pick. Um, I mean, there was more comments from the coaches about Jar Jar uh, Jarquez Hunter uh, than there was about Tank Bixby. So I don't, I don't know if he's kind of lost the team, lost some of the older guys that were there before he got there. and Because now they're, you know, beginning to praise some of these younger guys and trying to look at everything, you know, kind of the future. But, man, Bixby is really the guy that's, that's been uh, kind of left out of this offense and, Probably losing the most mad of anybody. Well, he has twelve. He had twelve touches, twelve, ten rushes and two catches for thirty-one yards. He's not being. I'll bet he's rethinking his loyalty. To be honest with you, for hanging around. I bet he is too. I mean, he's 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 their best player. I mean, maybe maybe touches. maybe in a sense. It, it, it's a good thing for him. It's saving him. It's saving him. That's a good saving that's him a for the point. NFL. Yeah. Way to go, Lars. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Maybe Robbie Ashford ended up Robbie Ashford ended up thirteen of thirty eight, one hundred sixty five yards, and the one touchdown. And you're right, Laura. I think that really hurt him early in the game when he fumbled the ball because I think if he gets that first down and that run, his confidence level shoots through the roof. And I think too, the the, the pressure now on George is just a lot different where they would have been on the field uh, at, at that point in time. But George is just a good football team, and they found a way to win. And and they really, I thought early on in the first half, made a lot of mistakes. And you could tell in Stetson Bennett and his just in his eyes and some of the frustration he was having overthrows 
guys not catching the ball. Uh, they did not play a clean game the first half, but came back out and really did well. Yeah, and you look at the four games against Power 5 opponents this season, Auburn has scored 12 points, 17 mm-hmm. points, 17 points, 10 points. It comes to an average of 14 points per game. 95th among Ouch. FBS teams doesn't get it done. Can't win like that now. I mean, you could back in the day, but not now. All right, uh, we'll continue on the other side. Stay with us. We're live from AVX Monday edition. More to come on some more of the SEC matchups coming up this weekend as well as what happened uh, this past weekend as well. Stay with us. We'll be back. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHealth.com. Hi, it's Jay Barker for AVX, Audio Video Excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audiovisual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level of certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. Gary Burley here for Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. As a 10-year National Football League veteran, you can imagine my surprise being diagnosed with cancer and starting chemotherapy treatment back in 2014. I suffered from a lot of pain and offered up prayer during those days as I made it into remission. But I developed neuropathy. Anyone that suffers from this condition knows the pain is excruciating, nerve numbness and tingling along the tissue that won't heal. I tried every... that I haven't had in years. If you're suffering from neuropathy, I suggest you reach out to Dr. Williford and his great staff at WillifordChiropracticAndWellness.com. Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. Give them a call at 205-909-7373. Balance your brain. Balance your life. Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Hi, it's Jay Barker for Siebel's in downtown Homewood, and now's the time to get your special place ready. Come in and let Siebel's design your porch with Kingsley Bait Outdoor Furniture and one of their custom swinging beds. For the great room, you're going to need their Carson Swivel Recliner. Siebel's is the number one Carson Recliner dealer in the country, and Sarah and I, we've got one, and we absolutely love it. Be sure also to check out their famous custom-made beds and bunk beds built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's 
tables and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to SiebelsCottage.com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at SiebelsCottage.com. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There he is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's C letter O. Let's go! Steve walks barely down the street with the pimple way down low. Ain't no sound but the sound of his feet. Machine guns ready to go. Are you ready? Hey, are you ready for this? Are you hanging on the edge of your seat? Out of the doorway the bullets rip. To the sound of the beast, yeah. Another one past the dust. All right, welcome back in. And uh, Alabama, yeah, another one bites the dust as Texas a went down. But now there's Tennessee matchup with the number six team in the AP poll. And the Tennessee Volunteers moving up two spots from number eight, state number eight in the coaches poll. But uh, going to be a great matchup and um, a lot different, I think, that maybe a lot of people thought. Uh, Josh Heupel and, and uh, what he's done so quickly at Tennessee. We talked about it, Matt, you and I, how important Tennessee, uh, we feel like, is for the SEC. Maybe it goes back to our roots of watching uh, this rivalry and General Nalen and Coach Bryant and uh, seeing that these two teams were really built the SEC for so long with the top teams competing for the SEC title uh, with the Tennessee being down it wasn't healthy for the conference. They're back and they've been coming back in a big way. Uh, this is a huge uh, momentum game for them and momentous game maybe for not only them but for a lot of fans and a lot of the uh, students and the players that are going to be on that field and in the stands have not had a chance probably to remember or witness an Alabama uh, losing to uh, Tennessee, especially in Knoxville. Um, it, it always reminds me of something, and this does go back to how, how this rivalry began. And, and that was, you mentioned it, it was Nalen and Bryant. But uh, I always think of this stat, which people today just absolutely don't believe. Uh, General Nalen had a Tennessee football team that was never scored on for an entire year. That's, that blows, even from 50, yeah. 60 years ago, that yeah. blows me away. But Coach Bryant and General Nalen did not like each other's teams. They had great respect for each other. And that's why when Bryant won those games, he was so elated. And I think that goes back to the cigars. Uh, that it was that important of a victory to him that he passed out cigars in the locker room. I think it's a great tradition, and I told a guy the other day that, uh, dang it all, I wish I'd known back in 06. I would have bought a box. <laughs> um, Jay, there's a very interesting dynamic heading into this game, right? You have Alabama where uh, against A&M literally came down to the last play of the game. Now you have Tennessee have they had maybe their most impressive victory in eight years uh because this was they beat lsu on the road 40 to 13 and that's the vols most lopsided road victory over a uh, nationally ranked team since 1995 
when uh, Tennessee beat who? Alabama. Uh, number 12, Alabama, 41-14. And Hendon Hooker looks good. Their defense even looks good. Uh, they sacked LSU's quarterback, uh, Jaden Daniels, five times. So you have this team that seems to be peaking, and they're at home. And then you have Alabama, which, uh, you know, Look, they just they struggled on Saturday. There's no other way to put it. Alabama struggled in that game. So Jay, as as a player, if if you're an Alabama player, how do you how do you view this? Uh, you take them very very seriously, and um, and in this game, I mean, look, you know, I've talked about how important it was to Coach Stallings, the coaching staff that I was under at that time. They were all bright guys. They realized how important they'd coached there, played there. Uh, under Bryant and uh, how much that week meant and what they did during that week. And I mean, it was nothing but Rocky top everywhere we looked and heard and uh, every place went into training room, uh, workouts uh, in the indoor facility outside uh, up in the meeting rooms. They were playing Rocky top all week long to remind us of how big this rivalry was. Mike Dubos did the opening statements, I guess you might say of, of the team and kind of giving a breakdown of all the players, the history of the game and why it was so important and he did it with such passion every year I was there that uh, you were fired up on Monday to get ready to play. All the scouting guys put you know the white tees on the helmets to represent like they do with the tees uh, for Tennessee. They take tape and do that. They would wear orange jerseys on the field. It was it was a spectacle, uh, but it was a reminder of look. This game means a lot to so many people, especially at that time, my generation and older. Uh, because of uh, what Matt brought up about General Nalen and all the things that came along with that. Going back to the c- cigar story, the tradition was started by Bama trainer Jim Goosetree, which uh, Matt and I both knew. He was actually a Tennessee alum. He handed out cigars after the tide broke a seven-game losing streak to the balls, marking the beginning of a tradition. Uh, so, uh, man, that, that, that tradition has continued on. You've seen the picture with me and Coach Stallings. But uh, if you're looking for a great cigar, Reagan Starner's got one for you. R&R Cigars, Matt, and I know Reagan's Probably a part of you guys. Yeah, show Jay. Still, then. Go ahead. <laughs> Jay, I literally just uh, had Matt, Mike, or uh, uh, mute our mics and say, hey, we got to talk about the picture. Um, and uh, it, it's my favorite picture of you from college. And uh, it's uh, you and uh, Coach Stallings after a Tennessee game. Your arms are around each other, and you both have cigars, dang, unlit cigars. Jay would not uh, like yeah. it. <laughs> but <laughs> what is the uh, what, what, what's the backstory, or is there one behind that picture? And and also, do do has that picture circulated among fans? Like, do is that something you sign, or is that All just a personal kind of? Per, oh, it has. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has, and, and a lot of the uh, memorabilia guys have, have, have had sent them to me to sign for different people from out of town, out of the country. It's crazy. Uh, Alabama fans um, over the years, they love that picture, and it, it represents kind of that moment, you know. And uh, there, there is a lot of a backstory. Probably too long for me to share uh, right now, but uh, I came into that injury. If you look over there, uh, right there on our uh, counter uh, in the studio, uh, there's an article from the Knoxville Sentinel. And it says uh, Barker. Yeah, Gump. that was one I wanted to ask you about. I wanted to Barker ask you about Gump. yeah, gone. <laughs> yeah. You know, the more I look at that, the more insulting it gets. It was. I mean, and my dad actually showed it to me that morning. He came up. He said, and he was laughing about it. 
And uh, my mom was laughing about it, and he said, look what they did on the uh, front page. Because I was coming in not sure if I would play in the game. And we had, we had not announced that I was going to be the start of that game at that time. Uh, I actually went out for warm-ups on Friday, and uh, Homer and I sat down with Coach Stallings in Coach Stallings' little office area there at the stadium. Uh, it was like just a chair and a room, and we said, hey, you know, we're going to go out. We're going to – Jay's going to throw a couple short passes, and we're just going to kind of lay off of it and let it continue to, to heal up and be ready to go tomorrow. So I get out there, throw a couple short passes, and next thing I know, Coach Stallings is coming down the field, and he had that walk and that look, and I went, man, somebody's in trouble. And as he kept getting closer and closer, he kept looking at me, and I'm like, what did I do? And he walks up and begins to kind of just rip into me about if you can't throw the ball down the field now and practice the day before, how do I trust that you can do it in the game? And Coach Smith and I just looked at each other and, and just um, bewilderment of that, you know, what is going on? Is this guy got, he lost his mind? We just had a 15-minute conversation about what the protocol was going to be for practice today. Um, so we go into the locker room, and as I'm heading to the locker room, he could tell that I was upset because – there were a lot of fans. There were people, um, you know, there. There was ESPN. There was a lot of other news organizations watching our practice and kind of saw the encounter. Um, and as I'm walking in, he taps me on the shoulder and says, "Hey, let's go to the bathroom." We'll walk in the bathroom, and we both just started going at it, kind of chewing each other out because I was so upset that he had just chewed me out in front of my teammates and in front of the media about something that we had discussed and talked about. Uh, we get back to the hotel. Uh, we're sitting down for dinner, and sure enough, he goes, uh, "All right, time for the prayer." JD, you mind leading us? And I promise you so bad I wanted to say, please pray for this man's mental health because he does not remember <laughs> one word that we just talked about. And I, I mean, I shaved after practice. I was so I – mean, we, we got into it and then there. When I walked out, uh, Fuller, McCorvey, all of them, some of them were like, wow. I mean, good – you know, like they could, they could hear us going at it. Uh, I shaved afterwards, and I could not quit bleeding. My blood pressure was so high that I had just dots of blood all over my where I'd shaved on my on my uh, cheeks. Um, they we acted the prayer and all that stuff. We get to the next day and uh, we go out and play uh, the game. And, and actually, I, I did a running play or ran the ball and uh, kind of you know took a shoulder on the shot. But I kind of jumped up and lifted Coach Stallings as if, hey, I'm fine. Um, I'm ready to play or whatever type deal. And um, after the game, he walks up to me and you know I'm still mad at him at this time. Actually, I mean not mad, but just kind of like you know, I, I didn't understand it. And um, he goes, how's the shoulder feel? And I looked at him. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, how's it feel? He said, I tried everything to get your mind off it and on me so you go out there and play and not worry about that shoulder. And then he handed me the cigar. And that's when that picture was taken right after that. So it was a mind oh, game. wow. That's a great story, Jay. I never heard that one, Jay. 30-something years you've been holding back on me and Laura. I've told it many times in like wow. speaking engagements in different places. But, yeah, it was crazy. But uh, I'll never forget Homer and I just... Homer just sat there after we got back into practice, and I'm sitting there just, you know, steaming. And he looked at me and goes, I don't know what just happened. And I, I don't know what – he goes, I, I don't know. Just don't worry about it. Get ready for the game, and you're all good. And Because uh, I told Coach Stallings, I mean, he said, you know, how do I – we got in there, we were kind of arguing. He said uh, – arguing a lot. We were both spitting each other's face. Um, he's like, how do I know that you're going to – I said, look, don't start me then. At that time, I was undefeated. and had not lost the game. I'm going to start me. If you don't want me to play, don't start me. If you don't think that I'm giving everything I've got to be ready for this game, don't start me. And then he just kind of, no, 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 we're good, we're good, you know, whatever else. Let's get ready for the game. And um, uh, it was crazy. But, man, my blood pressure my blood pressure's getting high now. <laughs> Thinking about it. <laughs> All right. Wait, yeah. Time to break. I got a question. Yeah, let's take a break for Jay's case. I got a question concerning that when we come back, uh, I think of significance. All right, we'll be back.
You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. It's the Tuscaloosa Community Calendar, powered by Pepsi. Join the city of Tuscaloosa for the free tech or treat on Tuesday evening, October 20th. This recent nights are low at 52. Or tomorrow, another warm and dry day. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. It's 11 a.m. start on ESPN Vanderbilt at number one, Georgia, 2.30 on the SEC Network. Alabama, Tennessee, number three versus number six. And number one, Alabama is in the coaches poll, but number three in the AP, Tennessee, number six in the AP. And that's on CBS, the primetime game at 2.30 once again. Arkansas at BYU, 2.30 on ESPN. LSU at uh, CB, or SCB, at Florida at 6 o'clock on ESPN. And number 16, Mississippi State at number 22, Kentucky. Mississippi State moving up in the polls as well at 6.30 on the SEC Network. So a lot of good games uh, coming up this weekend. Big matchups around uh, the SEC, but uh, none bigger than that Alabama and Tennessee matchup we'll talk about all week coming up at 2.30 on CBS. Matt, you had some thoughts about that uh, game? Yeah. you talking about the 94 game? Mm-hmm. Do you remember Whichever what game, you threw yeah. for? Whichever game, yeah. Well, I know you reeled off some that are coming up this week, but I'm still intrigued by that story and also the outcome. It was 17-14. Tennessee was like 3-4 and four going into that game. Y'all were undefeated. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember playing? Uh, you mentioned the run that you lowered your shoulder and what so. But um, did you have a good – I mean, you must have had a pretty good game. They won. You won. Yeah, we did. We had a really good first half, and that was kind of the way the year went for us uh, in 94 is that we'd come out with this kind of, uh, you know, we're going to throw it, we're going to do certain things, and once we got a big lead, we would slow things down. And, again, that was uh, more of a Coach Stallings philosophy than a Homer Smith philosophy at that time. And, uh, I mean, that's just what Coach Stallings believed in. You know, you play the field position, you play to the hands of your defense, you you have a great kicking game, special teams, you make plays there, you get turnovers, and – um, you know, that's just the way they played out. Um, I, I forget the guy, Brandon, uh, what was Brandon's last name that played uh, for, for Tennessee? He was starting quarterback. Uh, he went on a transfer to Texas A&M. Oh, he played. Um, say it again. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Brandon Stewart. Brandon Stewart. That's Very it. Yep. Good. So, Brand, good job, Lars. Brandon Stewart was uh, <laughs> at Tennessee. He was highly recruited. He was a lot like a Heath Schuler type quarterback that could run around and make plays. He actually caused a lot of trouble. Uh, for our defense. They then, Philip Fulmer, decided to replace him with a guy named Peyton Manning. He was a freshman at Tennessee at that time, and uh, Peyton came in, had, had a pretty solid game, but had some mistakes, as a freshman would. And um, it, even before uh, the game was over and even after the game was over, our defense uh, felt like that if Brandon would have played the game, Brandon Stewart, uh, that it would have been a lot harder uh, to have stopped them because he had made so many plays running the football and uh, escaping the pocket and just a great athlete. So uh, they felt like that uh, that Tennessee, or they felt like the more pressure was on them with Brandon in the game 
than with Peyton, and and they, because they could do do a lot of disguise of coverages and could blitz him and do certain things that a freshman quarterback just had not seen at that time. But um, yeah, it was great to have have that moment thinking back on it. Uh, a young freshman, uh, Peyton Manning, playing in that game, but uh, hit Marcel West on a play that was kind of a broken down play. Uh, that, uh, that he uh, was able to get across the middle, uh, kind of hit him cr- through across my body, which I shouldn't have done, but I did, and hit him um, as he was kind of moving across the field, kind of right right at his knees, and he caught the ball and then scampered in the end zone. That was our first touchdown uh, of the game, and then, um, you know, it, it was just a battle. I mean, all those games were, uh, wherever we went to Tennessee. That 92 game was a great game as well uh, up in Tennessee. We uh, 93, we'd beaten them seven years in a row. We made it uh, eight that we had not been beaten. In 93, we tied them uh, there in Birmingham with a, a comeback. Uh, 100, we went uh, um, 80 yards, about a minute, 20 seconds uh, to tie the game up. So we had a, a lot of great matchups against Tennessee throughout the career. Did you talk to Peyton Manning after that game? And also, did you see any hints of what was to come from Peyton Manning? I, I did talk to him and Brandon both after the game. Quarterbacks do. You go up and, and you know, congratulations or, you know, whatever uh, is said after the game. Um, and then uh, I think Brandon was with me when we did our FCA prayer. We always had that after the game that we did. Um, and some other Tennessee players I've been in, like, FCA camps and stuff with. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, at that time, you realized him coming out of high school and the hype around him being a Manning. But he was the kind of the first one since his dad. I mean, he was the first one since his dad. Uh, so there was still a lot of expectations, a lot of pressure on him. But at the same time, you know, I, I knew that David Cutcliffe was going to do a great job with him and coaching him up and doing the things that he needed to do. He had, he had all the, the tangibles. Uh, he had a great mind for the game. He had a great size, you know, as a quarterback. I mean, he's 6'4 and a half, 6'5". Um, at, at, even at that time as a freshman, you could just tell he had the, the look of what an NFL quarterback would look like. Uh, but I'll be honest, I, I didn't, never would have thought he'd become the Hall of Fame player that he became. And, and I don't think he can with anybody uh, who's a freshman in college. Yeah, the, the one time I spent around Peyton Manning was after his final final college game. Uh, Nebraska had beaten Tennessee 42-17. And uh, was kind of sort of walking off the field next to Peyton, just taking notes for a story. And Jay, I could not believe how big the guy is. He Huge, is a yeah. big dude. He's, he's six, a big six, dude, isn't he? Something like that, pretty yeah. close. Six yeah. five, at least. Yeah, at least six five. All right, guys, uh, we've got more to come on this Tennessee Alabama rivalry. Hopefully, Alabama will be smoking cigars at the end of the game at Neyland Stadium. But it's going to be a great matchup again. Number three versus number six, two thirty on CBS. Continue to break it down all week long, as well as some of the other big matchups, not only in the SEC, but around the country. Have a great Monday. Be back with us tomorrow for the Tuesday edition Jay Barker Show with Lars Anderson and Matt Coulter. Thanks again to Mick Gillespie from Bam Insider on 3 Media. And thanks to our producer, the Ty 100.9 FM Hardy and Josh Smith, our producer of all things with us as well. Thank you for listening in. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance.